Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. Well, good morning, my friends, and good morning, APC family. Wherever it is that you are watching from, we welcome you literally from all over the world. And we are in this sermon series talking about the ghost in the upper room. The ghost in the upper room is God. The ghost in the upper room is Holy Spirit. And today I want to talk to you about seven distinctives of Holy Spirit. And I appreciate in the video how he talks about the Hebrew word being energy and sometimes even passion. But in reality, we are talking about God himself. We're talking about the Spirit of the Lord. It's the Spirit of the Lord that is the first person of the Trinity that is mentioned in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, the Spirit of the Lord that brought order, brought order to the chaos that was on the face of the earth. And I love what they said there that now he's bringing order to the chaos that is in our hearts. You know, my friends, I was thinking about the message and I was thinking about where we are, where we are even in time, even in prophetic historical time. And I I recognize something that in this journey, really the secret sauce of the early church was Holy Spirit. I want you to consider they didn't have a Bible. They were literally writing the Bible as they were living life. Now, They did have the Old Testament, but certainly not the New Testament that you and I read. Literally, they were walking that out, being inspired of Holy Spirit to write out the scriptures. They didn't have buildings. They didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have a lot of knowledge and skill. And they didn't have Bible schools and all the rest of the things that you and I take for granted. Lexicons and concordances and all the the books and and all the audios that have been written and created over time and over 2,000 years. They had none of that. Isn't it amazing? They had none of that, but what they did have was influence. They were able to influence society. They were, they were able to make a change. And what started in that upper room began to spread all over the earth. How? By the Spirit of God. Today, we have all those things, don't we? Money, buildings, knowledge. But what we lack is influence. What we lack is that penetrating message that the world desires to hear. And so my friends, you know, it's just not another sermon series. This is, this is a reality because I, I really believe that over the last 15 months, you know, if COVID has done something, it's really exposed some of the things that we say we believe that we can't prove. Some of the things that we believe from the Bible that really in these last 15 months, we haven't been able to back it up. And that doesn't mean that God is not true. And it doesn't mean that his word is not true. It just really means that the church is in a condition. It's in a state. Much like we see in the Old Testament, where Israel would have ups and downs and times of great spirituality and times of very low spirituality and, and in between. And, and I think it's important that we reflect and we look and we say not only individually but corporately, where are we? Where's the body of Christ? And, and why have we drifted so far away from the original design? And my friends, listen, I believe with all my heart, part of it is we have all these things. What we're really lacking is Holy Spirit. 
His power, His anointing, His personal relationship with us, His presence that is transforming hearts and lives and ministries and families and all the rest of it. I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14 and to John chapter 16. I want to, I want to just lay a foundation and I want to talk to you about seven distinctives of the Holy Spirit and why the Holy Spirit is absolutely crucial. You saw in the video that Holy Spirit was crucial to the ministry and the life of Jesus. And if he was crucial to him, how much more you and I? I had this other thought. I began to think about, put yourself in the place of the apostles, the early believers. Put yourself in, in, in their position. All the prophecies, all the you shall call him Emmanuel, and is going to be God with us. And for three years, they, they begin to walk with the rabbi. They, they begin to walk with the master and, and, and become part of his teaching, become part of his world. And he introduces the kingdom of God. They, they begin to see miracles and healings and, and people are raised from the dead. And, and, and you begin to see this movement that is happening and, and how he brings joy and how he brings peace and comfort even in the midst of Roman rule. And all of a sudden, the leader, Jesus, begins to talk about, I'm going to go, and you can't come. <laughs> he said, where I'm going, you can't come. And, and, and I want you to think about it for a moment, because if you're there and you have left everything, family, boats, fishing, life as you know it, to follow this man, and now he's telling you he's leaving and you can't come. You would almost have to say, is this a cruel joke? Are you, are, are you kidding us? You're, we're, we're just three years into this thing. We're, 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 we're right at the, the climax here. We're at the peak of what's about to happen. And you're talking about leaving and dying, and the disciples are visibly and emotionally disturbed. They, they are moved. Not only could Jesus discern it in their heart, he can literally see it on their face. Like, what is going on here? As a matter of fact, Jesus had to say to them, don't be troubled. It's not a cruel joke. As a matter of fact, there's a plan. And here in the scriptures, he begins to tell them, here is the plan. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, I have to go. And it's better for you. Listen to this. He said, it's better for you that I go because there are some things I cannot do in this human body. Imagine God himself saying, there are some things I cannot do in this human body and it's better for you if I go. Because, he says in John 14, 16, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Jesus begins to talk about the Spirit being on you, which, which is really what the Old Testament people experienced. But now Jesus is saying, the Father is going to send you another one just like me. That's what the word another means. Someone just like me, but watch this. He's going to live in you. Not only is he going to come on you. Remember, these are Jewish people. They know what it's like to have the Spirit of God come on them. But Jesus is saying he's going to live in you and he's going to be just like me. In other words, Jesus is saying, here's why it's an advantage. I can't be inside you. And I can only be in one place at one time. 
I can only be in Israel, and I can only be in Capernaum, and I, I can only be in Jerusalem. I can only be in one spot at one time. But when the Holy Spirit is poured out, I can be everywhere at all times, and I can be in all of you. And then he says this in John 16 and 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. It is to your benefit. It is to your profit. It is better for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, the ghost in the upper room will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. If I depart, I will send him to you. And my friends, listen. Christ has made true on his promise. That's why he said, I tell you the truth. And we know on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit fulfilled the prophecy of Joel and he was poured out and he's being poured out today and he's still filling lives and he is still present with all of us in what Jesus could not do in, in human form. He's beginning to do and has done by the Spirit of God. And so, my friends, listen, I want you to be encouraged. You know, some people say, oh, you know, if, if only we lived in the day when Jesus was alive, if, if only we can walk in those days. You know what Jesus said? You'll walk in better days. Greater things are yet to come. For as amazing as it was to have Jesus, here's what he said, it's of an advantage to you that I go so that the Spirit of God may be poured out. So, my friends, let's talk about Let's talk about these seven things, seven distinctives of the Holy Spirit and how is it possible that Jesus could say, listen, it is of an advantage to you in that, my friends, we are not living in some kind of cruel joke or some kind of trick that God played on us to kind of give us Jesus and take him away. In reality, it has always been the plan. It has always been the desire of God to live in his people, to write his laws in our hearts, and to dwell not only amongst us, but to dwell in us. That's why, you know, when we, when we gather together, and I look forward to gathering together once again so soon, it's, it's God in me and God in you and the Spirit of God that moves amongst us. So here's the very first point that I want you to see. Seven points. Number one, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. You know, when, when, when the translators translated the Bible from Hebrew and then the New Testament to Greek, you know, I think one of the biggest mistakes they made is to put the word the, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, because it almost, you know, depersonalizes him. But in reality, my friends, here's what I want you to know. The Spirit of the Lord is God. The Spirit of the Lord is eternal. He is holy. He is the third person of the Trinity. He's, he's not just a force. He's not just a power. He's not just an anointing. He's all those things. But here's what you need to understand. He is God. He is as much God as the Father is God. He's as much God as the Son is God. And, 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 and you know, in, in Christianity, one of the hardest things to explain is the Trinity because some people say, well, you have three gods. No, no, no. The Bible says we have one God, but three clear expressions of who he is. My friends, listen, Holy Spirit, listen to me very closely. Holy Spirit is not the junior executive of the Trinity head. You know, it's not like they said, well, you know, well, let's, uh, let's send our junior executive down there to run the world. No, 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 my friends, listen. He is as much God as Father and Son, the three are one. In the books of, uh, uh, of Acts chapter 3, listen to what Peter said. He, said. he said to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to Holy Spirit and keep back of the price of the land to yourself? 
yourself. While it remained, was it not your own? After it was sold, was it not in your control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have lied not to men, but to God. Notice in verse 3, he says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 4, he says, you have lied to God. And I can give you many, many more scripture, but for the sake of time, here's, here's what we've got to understand. Number one, Holy Spirit is God. I actually dislike that word, the. You know, the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. I rather would just say Holy Ghost. My friends, when we say the Father, we don't, de- you know, we don't, we don't say that he's not God because we're saying he's the Father. So Holy Spirit is no less God. Number two, I want you to see this. Not only is a God, he's, he's, he, not only is he God, he's a person. He's an individual. He is a personality. And in Ephesians uh, 4 and 30, it says this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. My friends, listen, you cannot grieve a force. You cannot grieve a power. You, you offend. The word grieve means to offend, to quench. You quench, you grieve, you offend a person. That's why not only is he God, but he is a person. He has personality. He has, he has thought. He has feelings. He has everything that makes an individual a person. This is what makes our God an amazing God and so relatable to us. John 14, 17. He says, the spirit of truth, watch this, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. That word know is very, very important. That word know is, is, is just, it means this, watch this, and a knowledge of experience. You will know him. You will, you will have experience with him. You will walk with him. He will, he will talk with you. He's on the inside of you. He has voice. He has sensitivities. He has everything that makes him not only God, but a person, but an individual. That's why we are made in the image of God. We are like God. So number one, he is God. Number two, he is a person. Number three, he is our helper. Jesus said the Holy Spirit, who is like me, as a matter of fact, he is him. It's the, really the Spirit of Christ. Right? Because you can't, you can't distinguish between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. When we receive the Spirit, we're receiving the Spirit of the Father and of the Son. That's, that's what God is. That's, that's the triune God. But watch this. The Bible says that He is our helper. He's, he's the one that assists us. Well, Pastor, how does God, how does God, how does the, how does the Holy Ghost help us? Well, number, number one in Romans 8, 26, let me read this for you right now. He says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Four ways. Four ways that the Holy Spirit helps us. Number one, he helps us in our weakness and in our infirmities. Anybody feeling weak? Anybody feeling down? Any, anybody feeling that, that you know what, an a, a infirmity is literally a weakness. How does Holy Spirit help us? He helps us when we are weak. He helps us when we are failing. Number two, I want you to notice right there in verse 27, he helps us in our prayer life. 
He helps us in our prayer life. He, he's actually interceding for you. Uh, I've told you many times, saints don't intercede for you. Dead people don't intercede for you. Mary doesn't intercede for you. Peter is not interceding. Paul is not in. Nobody, Moses, none of those people are interceding, but Holy Spirit intercedes for you. He helps you in your prayer life. Watch this. Because he knows what God wants for you. He knows the best that God has for you. And so when Holy Spirit prays for you, he is praying the perfect will of God without any agenda, without any bias, without any other, any other kind of political influence. He really wants your best. Number two, he gives us guidance on our journey. He gives us guidance. He leads us into all truth. John 16, 16. A little while and you will not see me. And again a little while and you will not see me because I go to the Father. But watch this. What does Holy Spirit do? He guides us. He leads us into all truth. He leads us in the path of life. Number four, he is our teacher. He is our teacher. My friends, listen. Holy Spirit knows everything about everything. Holy Spirit knows everything there is to know. He knows about your job. He knows about your home. He knows about where you should live. He knows about what you're studying. He knows about what you're about to graduate. He knows the future. He knows the past. He knows the present. My friends, listen. What do you need to know? Holy Spirit knows. Holy Spirit can reveal it to you. Holy Spirit wants to reveal it to you. The ghost in the upper room. Watch this now. He helps us in our weakness. He helps us in our prayer life. He guides us and leads us, and then he is our teacher. What do you need to know? Ever gone into an exam? You're all stressed out. Holy Spirit knows chemistry. Holy Spirit knows biology. Holy Spirit knows history. He knows everything about everything. Even the things that are hidden, the Holy Spirit knows and can reveal them to you and to I. Number four. Number four, he has his own mind and his own will. He has his own mind and his own will. And this really flows into the idea that he is a person. Watch this in verse uh, 827. Let's go back to Romans for just a moment. Now he who searches the heart knows the mind, what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And 1 Corinthians 12 and 11 says this, but one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. You know, that we call them the gifts of the Spirit. They, they belong to Holy Spirit, but watch this. He gives them as he wills. He has a will. He has a purpose. He has a mind. He has ideas. He has thoughts, and, and he knows the best way that we should follow and go along. Why? Because the Bible says he searches. Let's watch this. God searches the deep things of God, and then you know what he does? He reveals them to you and I. You notice how the, the writer of, of Psalms even talks about the mysteries of God. You know that, you know that God has mysteries. You know that God has secrets. But, but you know what, what is amazing about God? God loves to reveal mysteries. God loves to reveal secrets. It, it is phenomenal that God wants to communicate these things to his people. You know, for as much as we think we know, there is so much we don't know, particularly of the afterlife, particularly, you know, uh, I, I was just even thinking about some of the things that, that, that happened. These, I don't know what you want to call them when my mom passed away, whether they were uh, coincidence or things that are just, they're just spiritual. They, they can't be explained because they belong to the afterlife but my friends watch this holy spirit knows holy spirit wants them 
to be revealed to us so that we will have knowledge of him and knowledge of God. Number five, and I love this, my friends, watch this. He is the spirit of truth. He is the spirit of truth, which means he cannot lie. That's why the Bible says in the Old Testament, let, let God be true and every man a liar. Human beings can lie. Human beings, some human beings have a degree in lying. Some human beings, actually it's a skill for them. They ought to put it on their resume. But watch this, Holy Spirit cannot lie. He is the spirit of truth, which means he's only going to tell us the truth all the time. I want you to go to John 16 and 8. He says, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. It's part of his job description. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now watch what Jesus said. Of sin because they do not believe in me. The number one sin. Here's what Jesus said. The number one sin is that they don't believe in me. What does Holy Spirit do? He convicts people. He convinces them. That's really what the word means. He convinces them of their sin. That they're going the wrong way. Now today, my friends, listen, we live in a world where sin is right. Where darkness has become light and evil has become good. And, and I could take you to that prophecy of Isaiah. But watch this. Holy Spirit has not changed. Holy Spirit is still telling the truth. Holy Spirit is still convicting. Holy Spirit is still moving and operating. I get that the world is going to hell in the handbasket. I get that the world is getting a lot darker. But my friends, watch this. God is still opening the eyes of people. He's still removing the veil. And all of a sudden, they come to their right mind. He's still converting people. He's still transforming people. He's still saving people. Even, you know, I, I had, a, I had a, a discussion right before the service today with Alicia, and, and she's telling me about how God is operating amongst the young people, and I, 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 could, I was going to run around my office. I am so blessed to see, wow, God is still moving. God is still attracting people. He says, of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world, which Satan, has been judged. You see, we don't, we don't like to talk about judgment. We, we, we don't like to use words like that anymore because we're hypersensitive and we're living in a politically correct world. But here's the reality. God is not afraid to say, the devil has been judged. Some things have been judged. The Holy Spirit is actually convicting people of sin and of their immorality. I mean, we are living in a day we can't even call sin, sin anymore. We can't even call immorality, immorality because you have to be sensitive and you have to be politically correct and you can't hurt anybody's feelings. But my friends, listen, God would rather hurt your feelings than have you go to hell. But we're getting onto this train where, oh my gosh, we can't offend anybody that we're willing for them to go to hell so that we don't have to apologize for anything. God is not here to apologize. He said, listen, some things have been judged and some things are righteous. Do you know what that means? Everything the Holy Spirit says and does is right. He's never wrong. He's never made a mistake. He's never going to make a mistake. He's never going to come back and apologize and say, oh, you know, you know what, I had Paul right there. I really didn't mean it. And, and what, I, what I said to Peter there, you know what, maybe he misunderstood me. Or, or James, you know, James never should have wrote that scripture. No, 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 no. What, what, what the Holy Spirit talks about is righteousness. And what he does is right. And what he says is right all the time. He, he convinces us of righteousness. That's his, that's his basic work is to tell us this is right and this is wrong. We're living in a day where there's such confusion, we don't even know anymore. Watch this, because we're listening to the wrong spirits. The wrong spirits. You know, in the Bible, it talks about doctrines of demons. Have you ever thought about what that is? What is a doctrine of a demon? It is a belief system that devils have that they operate in. 
They have a system. They have a belief system. Doctrines of demons are being taught today and people don't even understand that they're actually following a belief system that belongs in the pit of hell. But then when you say to them, this is what God is saying. This is God's righteousness. Oh, they say to you, that's hate and that's evil and that's wrong. It is so twisted, it's unbelievable. It is so backwards, it is unreal. So my friends, listen, he is the spirit of truth. He tells us the truth. He, he, he cannot lie because he is not of the world. Number six. Number six, he is the author of liberty and freedom. Romans 8 and 2 says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ, in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Let me read that again. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free, has delivered me, has rescued me from the law of sin and death. Watch this, my friends. Watch this. There is a law that is operating, sin and death. The, the penalty of sin is death. Why do we die? We die because we've sinned. Now, Jesus solved that. In, in, in this sense, in, in of course, the, the covenant, the blood, the cross, the resurrection, do we still die? Yes, we still die because we're human beings. But eventually, there, there's coming a day because death is our enemy. The, Isaiah tells us that death and the grave are going to be swallowed up. It's not going to have any more victory. It's not going to have any more sting. At some point, death will be eradicated. It will be totally gone. In other words, People will not die. Animals will not die. Death will not be operating because sin will not be operating. But watch what he says. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus supersedes this law. When we were unbelievers, this law operated in us. But now he's saying the spirit and the law of life, the Holy Ghost, is operating in you to do what? To deliver you so that you'll walk in freedom. So that you'll walk in liberty. And my friends, that it's more. It's more than, than just words on a screen that we sing. It is a reality. Just this morning I woke up and I saw this headline. I didn't even read the, the entire article. But the, the line in one of the newspapers said, people turning to cannabis you know, to cope with COVID and all that is, and all that is happening. People are becoming addicted, addicted to alcohol, addicted to, to cannabis, addicted to all these things. Why? Because they can't cope with what's going on in life. That's the, that, my friends, watch this. That's the law of sin and death that is operating in destruction to destroy them. But here's what God said. I've come that they might have life and have it more abundant. And he said, I've come to bring life. There's a law that operates in me. There's a law that operates in the spirit of God that supersedes the law of sin and death, which means what? You don't need cannabis. You don't need alcohol. You don't, you don't need all those other addictions to help you cope with life. You have the Holy Ghost, my friends. And we ought to be different. We ought to be different people. Believers ought to be different. And we need to begin to prove. And we need to begin to give evidence to the things that we say that we believe. And we do it by the power of the Holy Ghost. But remember, he's a person. Remember that he is God. He's not just a force. This is why, my friends, listen, listen. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. The Lord. Who's the Lord? Jesus now the Lord is the Spirit. You, you see how the three are one? The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There, there is freedom. This is, this is why the cry of the heart 
of the believer, the cry of the heart in Christianity. And also let me just say this, in Judaism is what? To be free, to be liberated. We want to be free. This is why lockdowns and restrictions drive us crazy. Not just the believers, but I think in every human being, every human being desires to be free. Let me live my life. Let me, make my, let me make my decisions. Let me go where I want to go. Because when you lock up human beings, bad things happen. Sickness and disease and mental issues and all the rest of the biggest happen. Why? Because God has designed us to be free. And the Spirit of God brings us into liberty. This is why when we are in bondage, spiritual bondage, when, when we are locked down, not just naturally but spiritually, we are in the worst conditions as believers. You know, my friends, the eagle, one of the most glorious birds you will, you will ever see. I mean, it, it is phenomenal how high they can fly, what they can do. But watch this. I have seen eagles in, in zoos. And when they are caged, they become a dirty, depressed bird. Why? Because you cannot take an eagle and put it in a cage so that humans can come and gawk at it. You've, you've taken it out of its natural habitat where it can fly, you know, thousands of, of feet, and all of a sudden you cage it. That bird becomes dirty. That bird becomes depressed. It stops taking care of itself because it sees itself as a slave. You and I are no longer slaves. We're no longer slaves to fear. We're no longer slaves to bondage. Why? Because the spirit of liberty and the spirit of freedom vibrates. And not only does it vibrate in us, we want others to be free. You know, the Romans, I talked about Judaism and how this operated in Israel. The Romans were a very interesting group of people. That empire uh, not only were they not only were they ruthless, but they were also cunning. And and when they went to conquer a people, do you know what they did? You know what part of their philosophy was? Their philosophy was this: if we conquer the people and we improve their lifestyle, the odds of them rebelling are going to be less because we've actually improved the quality of life. And so the Romans would come, and not only would they literally destroy everything, but then they would actually rebuild things, and, and, and they, would, they would bring in things like baths and aqueducts and, and roadways and government and governments in order, to, in order to show the people, listen, we are not only your conquerors, but we've actually improved your life. So here's what the Romans were saying. We want you to live your life under our rule, and we're going to give you these little carrots to prove to you that we've actually made your life better. That your life is better under our rule than under your freedom. And many, many, many empires actually caved into that and said, you know what? It's so much better. It's, you know, we're, we're doing better than our own people. But watch this. When they came to conquer Israel, Israel was constantly a thorn in their side. Because you know, you know what the hard cry of Israel was? Keep your waterways, keep your baths, keep your quality of life, keep your, you know, your, your things that supposedly improve our life because we would rather be free people than give in to that. My friends, I'm going to say something powerful. The enemy will give you things. Listen to me. The enemy will give you things that look like they are improving your life and the standard of your life and the quality of your life as long as you will remain a slave. 
Pastor, what, 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 what are you even talking about? What, what do you even say? You know, it, it's phenomenal. Watch this, watch this. It's phenom- I've watched people believe for houses and believe for things that ultimately become their God. That now we have a mortgage and we have payments and, and, and literally, you know, we, we, we can't serve God and we can't be generous and we can't even come to church because, because the thing that we had believed God for has now become our God and so all our money, all our energy, all our resources go into that and so watch this, you actually become a slave to something and the enemy is more than happy to give you a few goodies as long as you remain a slave or the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come back up. I have one final point. I have a final thought, my seventh point. I'm gonna close with this point. Number seven. Number seven, I'm gonna, listen, you don't wanna miss this. I want the worship team, though, to come and just minister for a moment. I want you to reflect on these six things that we talked about, these distinctives of the Holy Spirit and how God is real, my friends. His presence is real. The person of Jesus. The Lord is that spirit. The Lord is the spirit living in you and in me. And then we're going to sing that it's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by knowledge. It's not by money. It's not by all these things and degrees and letters that he said, it's by my spirit. The secret sauce of the early church, walking in unison with the Holy Ghost. Bye. Bye.
grace of God that you are sensing his presence right where you are today. This is my final thought, point number seven, and I want the worship team to close. As we say, we stand in awe of an amazing God. Number seven is, he is the spirit, I'll put here, of spiritual adoption. I'm gonna age myself a little bit, because when I was born, you know, my dad wasn't even allowed in the delivery room. Fathers, you know, today you can bring in directors and camera crews, and at least before COVID. But when I was born, my dad couldn't even come into the delivery room, and a doctor eventually would come out and say, Mr. Soldano, you had a, a son. Back when we still knew what girls and boys were, right? You've had a son, you've had a daughter. And by the way, no one is ever going to stop me from using mother, father, son, male, female. You just you can get that out of your mind. I don't care who I offend. But the Bible says that he is the spirit of adoption because the reality is we have been adopted. To be born again means to be adopted into the family. Listen to what he says in Romans 8:15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, right? He's the spirit of freedom. Again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That word Abba means daddy. Daddy. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's why we have this confidence to call him our father. Why? Because we've been adopted. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, then we may also be glorified together. Pastor, why did you tell us the hospital story? Because here's the truth. When a couple has a baby, in the act of intimacy and all the science that goes behind it, you actually don't know what you get. It could be a boy, it could be a girl. In my day, they had to come out and tell you today, technology and all the science and go to an ultrasound there and they'll tell you ahead of time. But you know what's different about adoption? Adoption, you know exactly who you're getting. You know exactly who you're adopting. A boy, a girl, what age, what's their background. See, in natural birth, you really don't know until somebody reveals it to you. In adoption, you know. You say, Pastor, so what? Here's my point. See, God knows exactly what he's getting. My friend, when God adopted you, he knew exactly what he was getting. He didn't settle. We have some nations of the world that if you're not a boy, if you're born a girl, they'll wipe you out because they want males. But God knows exactly what he was getting when he got you. God knew exactly who he was adopting, which means this. He didn't settle for anything. He didn't say, oh, well, that's what it is. I guess we'll keep. No, 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 no. God says, I chose you exactly knowing who you are, what you are. I know your failures. I know your background. I know your dysfunction. I know everything about you, and I choose you. I've adopted you. The next time you feel isolated, rejected, alone, the next time you feel God doesn't love me, nobody wants me, nobody desires me, no, no, my friends, he says right here, I knew exactly what I chose. I choose you. 
Be encouraged, my friends. We are the children of God. And this is why we have confidence before Him. Worship.